podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twang. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, this is Eric and Jessica Carrier, the hosts of the Prairieland Paranormal Podcast. If you're looking for a show that explores all things paranormal, with dramatic storytelling, historical research, relevant science, and witness accounts, check out our show online at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com or through your favorite podcast player. Welcome to episode 217 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Woo! We had a fun short today. We did. We did a short for our um, Patreon episode, and Tracy had one of her little laughing fits and wouldn't stop. I know. It was really bad. But it was (laughs) funny, though. It was fun. We got an action-packed show tonight. First of all, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys for everything you do. What a special shout-out to all the firefighters out west, uh, California, Oregon. Uh, You guys are going through it right now, so for any of our listeners that are out there, um, just prayers and thoughts are with you guys. And for the firefighters that are out there working their asses off, Hmm. thank you guys for all you do. God bless you guys so much. We love you. Be safe. Tracy, some good things happened this week. I finished writing the book, and a big part of that book was dealing with depression. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the sayings that I used in the book was something that I've seen over and over throughout the years, and it's, it's okay to not be okay. Correct. So if you're somebody who is struggling right now, whether it be from the coronavirus, whether it be from the fires, whether it be just from life in general, maybe you're going through a messy divorce or a breakup or whatever, crappy job situation, just know that brighter times are coming for you. That's a promise. Mm -hmm. It always gets better. You just got to wait sometimes longer than you want to to see the end result. Yeah. Um, Please feel free to... You know, reach out to the group, reach out to me and Jerry. We would be happy to talk with you guys. You know, just don't sit alone and just, you know, think about it just to yourself. Um, there's always people here to help you. And if you don't want to uh, give us a, you know, talk to us, which we hope that you do, um, you can call the suicide hotline it's 800-273-8255 you can text them at 741-741 we love you guys and you mean the world to us so please don't feel you know just reach out that's all we want you to do to somebody i don't know in a a couple of weeks i think it actually might start next week we're going to be partnering up with better help which is a counseling service online counseling service so awesome so you'll be hearing a little bit about them but, you know, like I said, the important thing is, is just, you know, life sucks right now for a lot of different reasons. Just keep your head up and just try to, to pull through it and talk to whoever you need to uh, in the meantime to get you through. All right. 
All right, so we have our snorting pig in the back. <laughs> so we've got our um, original story tonight, which is going to be a little different than what we've done. So this is this is going to be fun. But we also have an interview at the end of the night with um, James and Beth from the Yesteryear podcast. So if you guys haven't heard them, it's fun. They, they actually go back and look at like 80s movies. It's a... Um, a deal where James is the dad, Beth is the daughter. She's mm-hmm. seventeen years old. How fun! And movies that she hasn't seen, mm-hmm. he goes back and has her watch, and then they kind of talk to you about all the different aspects of right. it. Right. So it's a pretty fun show. They normally do home movies. They uh, couldn't do a home movie because the segment is shorter on here than what they have on their podcast. But they picked out uh, a segment of Creep Show. Oh, uh, fun! Right? Really fun show. You're gonna like that. Good. Um, also, yeah, you, you guys give them a prob- listen. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's fun. You guys will like it. And like I said, I've heard them do a bunch of different movies. They just got through doing Scream, so that was one of the ones on there. So it's that time of the year. Oh awesome. yeah. But they're fun. They're a fun podcast to listen to. Also, you might have heard on the beginning of the show there there was a little bit of a promo. That's from from uh, Eric and Jessica from Prairie Land Paranormal. And uh, it's a, it, they're a newer podcast. They're kind of a regional based up uh, in that uh, Illinois area. But, man, they're fun. So give them a listen, too. I think you guys will, will really like them. Yeah, they are really fun. Give them a listen. All right, Tracy, you ready to get into this week's show? Oh, y'all. I'm ready. Tracy, what if I told you that one of the most haunted places in California is also the happiest place on Earth? Um. I will believe you. <laughs> well, if that didn't give it away, tonight's episode is on <laughs> Haunted Disneyland. And you said this is California? Yes. Well, you said California, and then my mind went somewhere else. Like, you know. Well, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So, I had to think about I that. see how I narrowed down the 50 states to one, well, and I'm your not, mind went elsewhere. I'm talking about the fires and oh. all that stuff. Goober. <laughs> I'm Dis- sure it's not the happiest place on earth at the moment. At the moment, it's closed. So, Oh, is it really? Yeah. I thought it opened back up. No, it's not open. Oh. So this place has so many stories that we're going to spend less time than normal on the history, and we're going to focus primarily on the paranormal aspects of the theme park tonight. Okay, sounds great. So Disneyland Park, that's what it's called now, Disneyland Park, was originally just called Disneyland. What what changed about it? I mean, why did it change? Hold on, baby bird. I'll feed you. Oh, dang. <laughs> it's in Anaheim, California, and it opened July 17th, 1955. It's the only theme park that was built and completely under the supervision of Walt Disney himself. No kidding. Yeah. Now, Disneyland in Florida was built two years later. Uh-huh. So, here's a fun fact that we really don't get into the story. Everything... Even though it was built two years later, everything uh-huh. in the Haunted Mansion in Disney World is the same age as what's in the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. Because when they were building it, because they knew they were going to be building another one two years later, they ordered duplicates of, of oh, everything. Oh, cool. Well, and that then, is so smart. And so they put it in the Haunted Mansion there, and then they stored the rest of it in a warehouse. Oh, my goodness. So, I thought How was smart cool. was that? That was really good. You know, we've never been there. We needed to go. I know. I was talking to somebody about that the other night. So Walt Disney came up with the the concept of Disneyland 
after he went to a whole bunch of other theme parks with his daughters in the 1930s and the 40s. Now, initially, he wanted to put it right next to his studios in Burbank, California, but he knew that that space was going to be way too small for what would have been what his dreams were anyway. So he hired a consultant, and they found a location uh, which led him to buy 160 acres in Anaheim in 1953. The park's grand opening in 1955 was televised by ABC. Oh, that's cool. Which is kind of ironic because I think ABC, ESPN, and Disney are now all the same company. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. So the park has had several expansions since the original opening. Some of the additions were the New Orleans Square in 1966, Bear Country in 1972. At least that was the name when it was open. It's now called Critter Country, if you go there now. Critter Country? Critter Country. Country. Did I say country? I don't know. Either way. Crunchy Country. It's the same place. Critter Country. There you go. I like that better anyway. That's what you get for laughing earlier. Oh. In 1993, Mickey's Toontown opened up, and the latest was in 2019. The Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opened up. So there you go. Now, we mentioned, because this gets back to your question, the Disneyland Park now originally was Disneyland. But what happened was, with all the expansions in the 1990s, in 2001, Disney California Adventure Park was built on Disney's original parking lot. Okay. So now there were two parks, and they renamed that one Disneyland Park oh. to separate it from the, the California Park. So there you go. But they're all in the same complex. You ready to get into paranormal stuff? I you told know, you we was going to breeze through the history. All right. Let's do it. Tracy, as usual, tonight's episode is brought to you by El Yucateco Hot Sauce, the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States, top 10 of all hot sauces, hashtag king of flavor. There you go, boy. That about wrapped it up, <laughs> except for it's delicious. It is. And one of the things that I tried it on, I actually tried the jalapeno sauce, and I mixed it in with some nachos. So I had some nachos, and we melted some of that Velveeta. We did. It was that, so good. The white Quesablanco yes. cheese. Mm-hmm. I guess white and Blanco means the same thing. It just, anyway. it just gave it that kick and just an extra little twang, which yeah, you know I like. I like I like to put the jalapenos on there, but sometimes I just like the mm-hmm. jalapeno flavor in it without the actual jalapenos. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. So, But anyway, you can get it at most of your major grocers, Target, Walmart, or two of the big ones that carry it. Uh, if you don't see it there, ask them to start carrying it, or you can pick up yours at com. So thank them guys for helping us out. Absolutely. This was this was harder than I thought it was going to be because you've got you know like if you go to like a, just a haunted house, it's one place. Yeah. But and Disneyland is one place, but there are so many different you know places inside from Toontown to the New Orleans Square to. Uh, Magic Mountain, and all these different rides that I wasn't really sure how to keep them all straight. So I kind of kind of organized them and separated them. Okay. Bit. The first one we're going to talk about, though, deals with the man himself, Walt Disney. So one of the buildings on Main Street inside of Disneyland is the Firehouse Building. Okay. Walt Disney had an office up on the second floor of the building, and it was an apartment and an office. So he used it for both. He mainly used this while construction was going on uh, right around the time the 
you know, the park was beginning to open. So he was, he wanted to keep an eye on what was going yeah, on and be right there. But then also right after it opened, he felt the need to be there for a while too. Well, good you know, for him. And, and then initially it was less and less time there. But during that time, he had an apartment there. And he would sometimes bring like VIPs that were visiting the park or celebrities or something up to his apartment to kind of mm-hmm. entertain and give them a little getaway. When Walt was there, he would always turn on a lamp that was in the fire station window to let people know that he was in the park. Oh, That's okay. how you do So if the light was on, you knew Walt Disney was actually in the park. Oh. Now, that, was that for everybody to know? Or yeah, just... that was for everybody to know. Oh, gotcha. Now, I don't know how many people actually knew that as far as like visitors. Mm-hmm. It might have just been that the park staff knew it, but I'm not sure. But that's that was the deal. So the light is now lit all the time in his memory, but that it wasn't always the case. There was something, an event that led to that. Oh. So back before the light was lit, a cleaning woman was, was actually going up, and she was doing all of her regular cleaning and stuff. It was time to leave. And she turned the light off, and she left, locked up, left. When she got outside, she noticed that the light was on. And her initial thought was, I thought I turned it off. Maybe I didn't. So she goes back inside, turns the light off again. She leaves again. There's the light on again. She knows for a fact, this time she turned that light off. Yeah. She goes back in the third time. She turns it off. But this time it turned on right in front of her. She didn't get a chance to leave the room. Well, at least that saved her daggone trip. (laughs) Just as the light turned on, she heard a faint whisper say, I'm still here. Wow. And they've left that light on ever since as a tribute. That is so cool. Now, the firehouse itself, it's got some some other issues as well. People hear knocking on the walls. They hear phantom footsteps. And they said they've even had objects move on their own sometimes when people are watching. So, you know, sometimes people will say like, oh, I came in. There was this couch here, but now it's over there. They've actually seen the objects move with their their eyes. (laughs) Wow. I wonder why they didn't see it move with their feet. <laughs> okay, point taken. Point taken. Fair enough. <laughs> That's so cool, though. Like, seriously. It is. Oh, it just gets cooler. It all Ooh, yay. So I figure since there's so many stories in the park, like I said, we're going to organize them into categories. And what we're going to start with are some deaths that have happened in the park most of which led to hauntings. So we're going to talk about those. Okay. In the summer of 1973, two brothers snuck onto Tom... Snook. I guess that's right. Snuck into the park? Yeah. Snuck. Snuck. Okay. Two brothers snuck onto Tom Sawyer's Island, and they stayed until after the park was closed. They didn't want to alert anybody that they were there. They wanted to sneak over to the park itself, so the brothers decided that they were going to swim over um, the River of Americas. What? Which is, well, it's the River of Americas is right there. That's They were on an island. Oh. So they oh, were going oh, to oh. swim, swim across Rivers of America and get to the main park. Well, it was two brothers. Like I said, they were one was 18 and the other one was 10 years old. The older brother got in and he took the younger brother on his back mm-hmm. and he started swimming across. And apparently it was a little... Farther than what he realized, and he became exhausted, and the older brother drowned. The younger brother was able to stay afloat by dog paddling, and eventually rescued by park employees, or as they prefer to be called, cast members. Well, that's uh, so sad. 
They were unable to locate the deceased brother until the next morning. Oh, my gosh. There was also another 18-year-old who drowned in the rivers of America in 1984. He and a friend got drunk, and they stole a motorboat. It was nighttime. They were out taking a little joyride. He was thrown from the boat after they hit a rock, and he drowned before his friend was able to get help. Oh, man. It's said that you can hear splashing in the river after dark, which many assume to be the spirit of one of these two boys. That's so sad. Just be legal, guys. Yeah. yeah don't have to go through all that stuff. The next death we're going to talk about is involved with the Matterhorn ride. In May of 1964, a 15-year-old boy, he died three days after he suffered injuries on the Matterhorn. It was, Matterhorn is one of these, it's like a mountain that's got like bobsleds that goes, you know, around and around. Oh, okay, yeah. And apparently, he was thrown from the car onto the tracks below. Oh, good Lord. Said he had unbuckled his seatbelt and attempted to stand up near the very peak of the mountain. Why? I don't know. Oh, man. But he did. 20 years later, in 1984, 48-year-old Dolly Young was thrown from her seat as the car went full throttle down the mountain and was run over by an oncoming bobsled. So the story on this one is that there was a little kid in the front seat Mm -hmm. and Dolly was in the back seat. Not really sure what the deal was, but Dolly unbuckled her seatbelt to somehow help the kid in the front. So we don't know what was going on, but the kid needed front. And when she unfastened herself, apparently they got to the part where it gets ready to go to the tunnel and she hit her head and was knocked off on below. Oh, bless her heart. And they say that they had to dismantle the track to dislodge her body. Oh, good grief. Oh, my gosh. So the cast members who walk the track of the Uh Matterhorn say that you can actually hear the disembodied voice of a woman, um, you know, right there. And there's a, there's a part there. They actually name it now before you get to that. Tell they call it Dolly's Dip. Dolly's because, Dip. Because that's where um, she actually, I guess, oh was knocked out of the, the thing. Now, there's some lights right at the end of the tunnel uh, where this happens. And cast members have said that those lights are always burned out. Just for whatever reason, those lights always, they replace them and replace them. But there was one lady who said she worked there for six years and she don't think she ever saw the lights working. That's how often they burn out. In 1967, there was a teenager who was killed on what they call the people mover ride. He tried to jump from one car to another and he was dragged to his death. His ghost is said to haunt Tomorrowland. And likes to pull the hair of blonde guests. That's just that's just heartbreaking. It really is. It's supposed to be a fun place, and I know it is. But well, then you got people you doing. By the rules. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't abide by the rules, or like Dolly was trying to help somebody. You know, and it's just it's really sad. One of the more famous ghosts in Disneyland stems from a tragic accident on Grad Night in 1966. Now, they call it Grad Night because every June, Disneyland does an overnight, uh, an overnighter for people who graduated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, on this night, a 19-year-old by the name of Thomas Cleveland, he climbed over two fences to sneak 
into the park. One of them was like a 12-foot fence, and that was like a 6-foot fence. I mean, he climbed over a big fence to get into the park. But then once he did that, he climbed up onto the monorail track. Three security guards saw him, and they told him to, to get down. He didn't listen. Instead, he ran further down the track. The train came through going about 25 miles an hour. Never even saw Thomas. They hit him, and it drug him 30 to 40 feet before the train stopped. The guy that was driving the train said all he knew is that, boom, something got hit, and then they came to a stop and lost power. That's all he knew. I wonder why he had to, Why did he sneak in? I don't know. I mean, why do you just not walk in? I guess maybe he didn't want to pay, didn't have the money. I don't know. Oh I don't, I, I'm assuming you still had to pay to get in. I don't think it's a free thing. We had our grad night at Kings Island. Oh. Mm-hmm. We had ours at a lake down by our house. Yay. Oh, wow. Lane? No rides, no nothing. Just stinky swamp. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cast members say that Thomas is now seen sometimes running at an extraordinary speed alongside the train at the area where he was killed, and then he just disappears. Wow. What there a been, shame. There have been some other deaths at Disney. Not Not all of them are associated with hauntings, but I wanted to cover... Uh, a couple more. In 1998, three people were killed, two guests, one cast member, when a sailing ship by the name of Columbia, this 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 ship was tied off in that Rivers of America. Mm-hmm. Somehow or another, the rope came undone, and I guess it drifted. So when they came through uh, on, on the shipwreck ride that they were on, the, uh, I think they call it the, the cleat on that big ship, struck three people on the ride and it caused all three of them to die. Mm. So it was like, I guess, the, I guess like, like a, a back and forth thing. Like? Yeah. Something like that. It was, you know, like the thing for the mast or something mm-hmm. like that, the big poles or something. In 1974, 18 year old hostess by the name of Deborah Stone, her job was pretty much greeting people to come into the America Sings. And unfortunately she was crushed between the rotating theater wall and the stationary stage. It only been open for like two weeks. They had closed it down for a while. It was called something else. They opened it up under the new name. It had only been open two weeks when this happened. Oh my goodness! And this, you know, what is just like my, like grab her clothes and pull her in? Or I'm something? not sure exactly how that would what work. happened. I think no. I think it was there was just a part of it to where it comes together, mm-hmm. and she somehow got in between the two. Oh, but they, I guess, since had fixed it and all that, and made it where that couldn't happen. Uh, but. Visitors that were there at the time this happened thought it was part of the show. Oh, jeez. So. That is, I bet that, I guess she didn't have any blood pop out or nothing, or they wouldn't have thought that, surely. I, I don't know. Oh, But the, the cast members that work there now say that they hear a voice sometimes say, be careful. <sighs> and then they also say that um, on the outer edge of the building mm-hmm. is where the, uh, the kid we were talking about that. Um, the people mover ride that yeah. was killed by mm-hmm. trying to jump from that actually happened right out at the other end of the building at the at the outer edge. Oh no, kidding! So that was two different things that happened there. Whew. So what about people who may not have died there, but their remains end up there? What the hell does that even mean? Well, I'm scared to hear this. It's, it's nothing nefarious, but quite the opposite. There is a rash of people. Who bring ashes of their loved ones to be scattered there? No kidding. 
Unfortunately, this usually happens at the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean. Disney does not approve of this. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, what would what no, would they, they be thinking about that? Oh, and it's, it's actually a major problem. It's an environmental problem. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because, well, first of all, let's talk about the Haunted Mansion. People go in there and they sprinkle it, you know, during the ride. But then what ends up happening is they come through at the end of the night and do all their vacuuming and stuff. They end up just vacuuming the stuff up. <laughs> so, I mean, it serves no purpose at right, all. It all happens right. and your loved one just gets pissed because they end up at probably the Anaheim dump or something. Oh, my goodness. You know. Because of the fact, though, that there's, there's one particular lady who supposedly came in and uh, put her son's ashes in there. There's a ghost called the Crying Child. One of the most famous uh, spirits in the Haunted Mansion. He's usually at the exit of the attraction. He's crying and asking for his mother. So the legend is that his mom obviously spread his ashes at the ride. And now he's doomed to kind of be there for all of eternity. Or at least until they close down the ride. I mean, this is, I mean, it's kind of weird. But, you know, if Walt Disney kind of knew that a lot of people were doing this, that maybe he could just set aside a place. You know what I'm saying? Like a just like an individual place that if people want to spread their ashes. True. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean. Well, there's a, and there's and, and the other ride, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride is where a lot of people do it. And like there was a, a deal back in, well, there was one just last year um, where there was a woman that, that she came in and she apparently was dumping a baggie of stuff into the water. And they had to stop the ride. They had to call authorities. And then once they they couldn't find the woman, she was already gone. Mm-hmm. And they found the bag, but there wasn't enough in the bag to be able to determine exactly what it was. Yeah. So they really couldn't do anything anyway. They didn't even file a report because they couldn't find the woman. But they had to shut down the ride and everything. And this happens so much that it can be an environmental problem because they don't know if people are dumping ashes or if they're dumping some kind of chemicals. They don't. So no, I totally get that. The park actually has their own code. For this happening, it mm-hmm. happens so much. And, you know, people that are doing that probably don't even think about that. All they're thinking about is right. like, oh, my gosh, this this where he came all the time and he loved this place. They probably don't even think of that. Well, and then there's one woman, and, and I, I lost the story. I tried to go back and find the story, and I couldn't find it. So I can't remember exactly where it was. But there was a woman that I don't know if it was on the Tom Sawyer Island, but she actually put her daughter's ashes out there mm-hmm. knowing that it probably wouldn't get swept up or taken away or whatever from that standpoint. So people, some people did actually think about it. So we're all, while we're on the subject of the Pirates of the Caribbean, when they first opened the attraction in 1967, they used real human skeletal remains from UCLA Medical Facility. Oh my gosh. Because they felt like the fake ones that they had were too phony looking. Yeah. So in the, in the, since then, it's been replaced with more realistic fake ones. But, but I'm surprised they were allowed to do that. Well, well, I mean, they're just, it's not like people are climbing on them. They're just set off in a distance yeah. for people to look at. And you said, but, go ahead. But there's a giant headboard that has a skull and a crossbone. And the rumor is that those are still a real, real, head, real skull and real, real, real crossbones in there. So we'll see. All right, let's talk about a few little individual sightings. <laughs> there's a woman is often seen on Main Street. She wears 19th century clothes, and she likes to help out lost children. Matter of fact, she's often seen taking them to uh, the Disneyland Baby Care Center, where the employees turn to uh, thank her, and then she disappears. No kidding. And it happens all the time. Usually, almost always with lost kids. Oh, so I thought that was cool. But that's there's very also, cool. There's also a lady in white 
that's seen on Main Street mm-hmm. that she's believed to have been somebody that was there way before it was Disneyland, just on the property. And she's seen walking up and down. And some people say that she's a separate entity, and some people say it's the same one who helps the kids. So I thought I would bring it up both ways just in case. Hmm. At the exit of the Star Tower in Tomorrowland, there is a little store, I guess, called Star Trader. On the fourth floor, they've got a stockroom that has been uh, got kind of a reputation for having cold spots and an overall creepy feeling. Then there's a little booth called the Hatmosphere. That's interesting. The Hat? Hatmosphere. The oh. Hats. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the more unique stories I've ever heard. They have a sewing machine there, and they use that to, to embroider the names on the hats. Uh-huh. They said it never gets warm even after it's been used all day long. Well, I mean, wow. But that's kind of cool, though. It's the first time I've ever heard about a haunted sewing machine. Now, me too. It's even said that on one occasion that one of the uh, cast members there saw a face on the sewing machine. I don't know how that happens, but... My goodness. Tracy, you'll like this. There's an ice cream cart that is supposedly haunted. They said that people can hear a woman's voice coming from it when nobody's around. I wonder how I feel about that. (laughs) I guess it depends on if she's eating all the ice cream. Right. So let's move on to Space Mountain. So we've got a few spirits to talk about here. The first one is Disco Debbie. (laughs) Debbie is seen as a glowing green ghost, and it's said that she was a former cast member who died of an aneurysm behind the Space Mountain building. Oh, man. Poor thing. Now, the most famous one is Mr. One-Way. Mr. One-Way. And when you think about it, Everybody's one way on this ride. Well, there you go. That's true. I mean, because, I mean, it's not like you go and then come back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go one time and you get off. Anyway, this is a large redheaded guy with a red face. And he wears... High blood pressure? Huh? High blood pressure? Probably. He wears 1970s clothes. And he usually likes to sit next to somebody that is a single rider. Mm-hmm. So if you're single and you got a seat open, nah, he's there's a-, a good chance he's going <laughs> to pop up. But he's always gone by the time the ride's over. And most people say that he looks realistic. They, he doesn't look like a ghost. He looks like a person. And all they know is they got somebody sitting next to him. And when they get through, there's not a person sitting next to him. Okay, yeah, that would freak me out yes. totally. So the speculation is that this is a ghost of a man who actually died on the ride back in the 1970s, and they base this on the fact that he wears 1970s clothes. Oh, okay. He's also seen uh, in the cast member locker room there at Space Mountain. So there's a great video that I will encourage anybody to go look this up. It shows, it's a security camera, mm-hmm. and it's showing, you know, the ride. It's in the front, and it's showing people getting on. And you see what looks like, um, I don't know, an, an apparition, maybe? Go right through the counter and go and take a seat right next to somebody on an empty seat. What? You have to, you have to look close because you almost can't see anything, but when you look close, you can see it. Oh, I got to look that up when we're done. And it's definitely not the only apparition video we're going to talk about when it comes to this place. So let's talk about the haunted mansion. This brings us to the video I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Happened in 2009. It was filmed from the park's surveillance camera. So this is not just an individual. This was, from the park itself. 
it shows a figure walking from the haunted mansion down the path. Now, this was after hours. It was dark. There was nobody else around, so there was no people or anything. You just see this thing walking. Some think it's Walt Disney, but others seem to think that it's a gentleman that was a former cast member by the name of Javier Cruz. He fell off of a float in 2004 during the parade and died. It was a um, Beauty and the Beast float, matter of fact. Dang. The Haunted Mansion also has a ghost of an old man. Now, this old man is seen on the ride so many times that the cast members have a rule. If the uh, ride comes through and there's only one person on it, it's an old man, just let it go. Because by the time it gets back around, he won't be there. So they all kind of know to look for this old man. He's there so much. <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> so, you know, we were talking about people, you know, putting their ashes and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Well, one time outside the Haunted Mansion in a flower bed, the cast members found an urn buried. Oh, like the whole in entire the, thing? Yeah, the, well, oh. the urn, it was empty, which oh. means they had dumped ashes somewhere. Out, yeah. But they found the urn that was buried in the flower bed, and it said, Rest in peace, Grandma Joyce. And they kept it in the video camera room for years, and eventually they ended up moving it to uh, the catwalks over top of the uh, Haunted Mansion inside. So. Oh, I bet those, uh, fa- well, because they would never know who to get, who the family members are, but I bet that would be cool for them if they happen to come back and see it there. You yeah, know? so now it's, that's actually part of the thing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think yeah, I'm sure you can see it from the ride. So that's pretty cool. Then they have the seance room that's inside there. Now, back when this first started taking place, when they were building this thing back in the 1960s, this is kind of funny. There was a worker who was building stuff and he started hearing a radio. And he assumes there was a radio that somehow got put in a wall, like by accident. Oh. <laughs> but because there was music constantly playing, but he noticed that there was never any DJs or any breaks or any commercials. And this is like, not like they had, you know, iHeart or Spotify yeah. back then where you could have that. And uh, so he checked all over the place and couldn't find anything. And eventually he just took another speaker and put it in its place so he could drown it out because it freaked him out so much because he never could figure out where it was coming from. That is crazy. I wonder how long it took him to think about that. About, hey, wait a minute. There's no commercial. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wow. All right. So there's also a ghost. This is not in a haunted mansion, but supposedly there's a ghost that sits on top of the castle during the fireworks and then just disappears when the fireworks are over. And there's been several people that took pictures and they've sent it in. Some people say that they think maybe it's just a maintenance man or something that's just enjoying the view up there because mm-hmm. it's like an image all in gray. But it's been captured many times on video and, and just pictures. So that was really cool. In 1999, the infamous ride, It's a Small World. It's a small world. It had to be stopped at one point. There was something going on. And uh, everyone had to exit the boat. And guests started just snapping some pictures and stuff. And one of them captured a picture of a ghost child hanging from a rafter. What? What? The legend is that so many people love this ride that they come back here after they die. And the lights like to kind of turn off and on in itself while they're in there. And it's said that the dolls keep singing and dancing hours after the electricity has been turned off. So they shouldn't be able to do that. But yet several cast members have videos of the dolls and stuff moving. Well, must be true then. With no electricity. On the Pirates of the Caribbean... There's a ghost boy who is seen on the video monitor. 
He seems to always be happy and enjoys himself, but when the boat gets back onto the station, it's always empty. Isn't that amazing? I just want to see something like that one time. It's also said that Walt Disney's ghost likes to hang out in the Disney gallery that is right above the um, Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's like a little gallery up there. You know, it's funny because I wonder how many people think that if they do see that, that it's just an illusion. I mean, you can do so many things now oh, with all these rides. Especially and, like in a haunted mansion. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're familiar, but like when you're in a haunted mansion and you go around, there's like ghosts and stuff dancing and it looks like real ghosts. Uh-huh. And what they've done is they've got a mirror that's out there. Mm-hmm. Or not, uh, uh, not a mirror, just glass, like a window. And so it's clear. But where you can't see, they have people dancing and like the real uh, animatronic type things. Yeah. So they got them dancing, but they've got them painted in like super different colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when the, the, the reflection onto the glass makes them look ghosty. So you're seeing their reflection from what you can't really see. That's well, hidden. That's amazing. But that's how they make it look ghosty. It's pretty cool. That's very cool what they can do these days, for sure. So that's what I've got as far as the, the ghost there. But I have some actual encounters that cast members have described seeing. Oh, cool. Things that they've had. Oh, I can't wait. So this first one was from Annabelle K. It's called the Men's Room Basement Ghost. So I worked a third shift custodial. Everyone jokes around about the park being haunted, especially if you're new. I was in my first year as a third shift custodial. I had already heard all sorts of ghost stories from other cast members, so I was afraid to work alone anywhere in the park. At this point, I hadn't had anything happen to me till this night. I'll never forget it. So I was working in Toontown, and I was assigned to work in Mickey's basement, which is below Mickey's house. There's a set of bathrooms, a break room, and a small gym. I started off by cleaning the men's bathroom, then went over to the women's bathroom. As I was in the women's bathroom, I started to hear something moving around, and I wasn't sure what it was. I ignored it and continued to work. Then I started to sweep the gym, and again, I heard something moving. This time, I heard it coming from the men's bathroom. So I shouted, Hello? Anyone in the men's bathroom? There was no response. So I took a look at the men's bathroom and nothing. No one was in there, so I continued to work. As I'm in the break room, I hear it again. Something moving around in the men's bathroom. I mean, you already know they got mice. (laughs) 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 I go look again, and the trash can was in the middle of the bathroom. I had just thought maybe I didn't move it back when I was cleaning, so I moved it back to the side. I'll go back to cleaning the break room. Then I start to sweep and mop all the floors. As soon as I start to mop, there it goes again. Movement in the men's bathroom. I go look and the trash can was moved again. This time it was in the opposite side of the room. That's when I started to get scared. I moved it back and was trying to rush out of there. I had already finished the bathrooms and the gym. When I was halfway done in the break room, I hear the trash can move once again. And this time... I ignore it and try to move as fast as I can. At this point, I'm scared. I don't even want to be down there. I'm thinking in my head, if there's something down here, it can't hurt me. I just need to hurry. I'm almost done. 
And that's when I hear right off my left shoulder, get out. <laughs> In the most creepiest voice. I kind of froze. I could feel my hair standing straight up. I grabbed all of my stuff and I ran out of there. I didn't finish mopping. I was so scared I didn't want to finish. I just ran out of there. To this day, I won't step foot down there alone. After that, I heard other stories from other cast members who had experiences down there as well. And every story had something to do with the men's bathroom. From hearing things and seeing shadow figures, I have had other experiences in the park, but this one by far was the scariest. Oh, I'm sure. And I wouldn't want to be down there by myself at all. Yeah, me either. Not even before that happened, I wouldn't want to be <laughs> in there by myself. <laughs> this next one is submitted by Mike A. It's called New Orleans and Toontown Encounters. I worked custodial from 2002 to 2004. I had some bizarre things happen to me. One night in New Orleans, I was emptying the trash from the exhibit of the Haunted Mansion, right where the escalator ramp takes you up. I came the back way down the employee stairs, and I saw an elderly woman in an antique-looking wheelchair sitting in the hallway. I thought nothing of it and opened the door to where the trash can was. As I heard the door open with my foot trying the trash bag, I thought to myself, what was that guest doing in an employee-only hallway? The park has been closed for a while. When I turned to go back down the hallway, not even five seconds later, the lady was gone. I was kind of creeped out. But I shrugged it off and I went on my business. As the night went on, I could not stop thinking about that woman in the wheelchair. It wasn't the rental wheelchairs. This one looked like it was made of wood. I finished my shift and I forgot about it. I used to hear tons of stories from coworkers about certain areas being haunted, so I would always wander around the park exploring. Disney is creepy when it's empty, so I can see why people would have stories of being watched or having strange feelings. I remember sweeping the line for Roger Rabbit one night. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a man standing near me in a navy blue t-shirt and a black Dickie-style shorts. I asked if he needed anything, and when I looked up, he was gone. I walked pretty fast all the way through the line looking for him, and nobody was in there. Nobody was in there because Toontown was closed. It seemed like everyone had a haunted mansion, haunted bathroom, Tom Sawyer, or Toontown story, so I keep these strange things that happen to myself. I felt like nobody would believe me anyway. A few months later, I was talking with a woman that had worked there for a long time. Someone had committed suicide in the parking structure that summer, so we were talking about deaths in the park and the possibilities of the supernatural. She told me a story about sweeping inside the haunted mansion at the bottom of the elevators after the park had closed, seeing an elderly woman in a wheelchair. When she looked up to speak to her, the room was empty. I thought to myself, no way. How familiar. I didn't tell her what had happened to me, but I had a lump in my throat and felt pretty creeped out for a long time. I was always curious about the spirits and the supernatural, but wasn't sure if I believed any of that in that kind of stuff. I'm still not sure I believe in that kind of stuff, but I cannot explain who these people were or where they came from. I bet that place is creepy at night. I guarantee. Oh, yeah. This next one is called The Locker Ghost Girl from David V. In August of 2019, so this one's recent, I saw something at the Disneyland Resort that rattled me to my core. It was just a subtle, creepy moment, but it's stuck with me ever since. Well, it has only been a year. <laughs> After Disney's D23 Expo in Anaheim, my sister and I headed to the theme parks for a late lunch. Since we had bags filled with merchandise from the expo, we rented a locker near the Disney California Adventure entrance. 
Parks were crowded that Saturday, and we saw several people wander out of the nearby restroom, wiping the sweat from their foreheads. The locker area was small, wonderfully cool, and thankfully uncrowded. It was just us and a young girl with fair skin that I noticed out of the corner of my eye. She crouched against the far wall, digging out of the bottom row locker. As my sister and I chit-chatted about our first ride, we kept our voices low as not to bother her. After a couple of minutes, I realized that the girl had been crouched for quite a while. Though I couldn't tell how old she was, I thought it was odd that she was alone for so long. I didn't want to rudely look directly at her, so I kept track from the corner of my eye just to make sure that she was okay. The girl played with her long yellow skirt as it as if dusting it off. I thought the pattern was out of place. Either red polka dots or strawberries. It looked something like a person would wear on Dapper Day. Suddenly, the girl turned around. I stopped keeping track of her and focused on my sister, who was stuffing her things into our locker. Still, I couldn't see the girl's eyes on us. I looked again from the side, hardly able to see her in my peripheral vision. She was standing now, staring at us. I noticed her short, dirty blonde hair and the skirt's length as it cascaded to her ankles. She was taller and older than I expected, probably a young teenager. What was she doing? Why was she looking at us? It was just too weird and I needed to know. I quickly crammed my bag into the corner locker and shut it. I could still see the girl watching us. All at once, I gave up my reservations and turned around. No one was there. The locker area was totally empty. There wasn't a thing that resembled a yellow dress or a girl with fair skin. For a moment, I stared at the emptiness with goosebumps racing down my arms. Are we going over to Disneyland, asked my sister. She looked toward me and I noticed my flustered face. What's wrong? I said, did you see the girl? Near those lockers? Yeah, I saw someone, my sister muttered. She had noticed a girl too, but I didn't have to explain. My sister was already staring at the empty row of lockers near us. I watched the color swiftly leave her face. No, no, no. I told my sister about the ghost I'd seen at Disneyland before, and now she'd seen one too. The moment was haunting and darkening on that sunny afternoon. My sister reopened the locker and yanked our things out. With our arms full, we rushed over to Disneyland, ripping our bags and unable to shake the ghostly girl from our minds. <laughs> well, I mean, at least they both saw it, so. I mean, first of all, you already paid for the locker. Well, yeah. Uh, and you duh. already had your stuff in it. Right. I guess maybe they just didn't want to face the fact of returning. To get their stuff, yeah. yeah. returning to get it. Yeah. So maybe that was the case. Could be. I understand that. Well, Tracy. What? We're going to take a really quick break from our sponsor, and then we will be back to talk about our Patreons and our upcoming shows and our iTunes reviews. And don't forget, we have an awesome interview coming up from the Yesteryear podcast. Yes. Sounds great. All right, Tracy. So we've got the Bobby Mackey's tour still coming up. We've sold a bunch of tickets. There's more than half gone now. I know. I'm so excited. October 25th. It's a Sunday Right outside of Cincinnati, northern Kentucky. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. It comes with a tour if you buy that one. And uh, that's $25 a piece. Or you can buy a seat that doesn't have the tour attached for only $10 if you mm-hmm. just want to get in. There will be social distancing. This place seats a ton of people. We're only going to have probably 60, 70 people in there. It seats probably 200 in that oh, yeah, main room. Easy. So we'll be able to social distance. Everybody will have masks. We'll have sanitizer and all that stuff on hand. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about any of that stuff. And yeah, I've been seeing where Bobby's been posting some stuff on Facebook, like of 
him back in the day. Like, it's, it's just crazy looking. But it's so cool. He's just, like, been posting a bunch of old pictures and stuff. Yeah, keep in mind, this is the... They're, they're not open that day, so it's just going to be yeah. us in there. So you don't have to worry about other crowds. Or oh, no. Uh-uh. Stuff, so. No. So we got that. Yes, we do. Do you want to read our iTunes reviews? Sure. Um, this week, we had Lisa B., me, and only Mr., Jason B., and our good old friend, Mojo Lobster. Thank you guys for your very nice reviews. They were really, really very nice. Yep, and on Patreon, I want to say real quick, we do have Patreon where you get extra bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. You get, uh, we do shorts. So you get, if you sign up for the maximum, which is $15 a month, but there's everything from a dollar, $3, 5 10 and 15 but the maximum gets you 24 short episodes, two full-length episodes, and all of the regular episodes here commercial-free. Correct. So, and discounts. Yes, and what is it like? Ten percent, ten percent off merch, or off 20% all your merch. And we're, like we're getting ready to switch merch stores, so we'll be able mm-hmm. to give everybody a, a, an actual code to be able to do it. It's a yeah. pain in the ass to do it now. You got to mm-hmm. go in and change it, and we got to change it ourselves. And then you have to order. Then we got to change it back. Yeah, because our merch store doesn't have an ability, but the new merch store will. So that'd be good. Go ahead. All right. And our Patreons this week was Tanya, Alyssa, and Kentucky Cobert. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate y'all so much. It means the world to us. Keep those reviews coming. Um, like we said, it's getting that Halloween spooky time. If you guys want to um, try to order merch, if you have any problems with it, just let Jerry know and he'll help you out with that. So, yeah, like I said, I can't wait for the new one to be. In. I, and it just literally is me having the time to set and rebuild the store, and that takes like two days. So, yeah, well, you can do that now since you're done with your book, so you'll have more time. Yes, and the book, by the way, uh, it's still going to be. Probably end of October at the earliest where it comes out because we still got to go through the whole editing process and mm-hmm. proofreading and stuff like that. But uh, it is written and I'm I'm happy with it, so I'm excited about that. Now, one last thing before we get into our interview, we have we are selling advertising on Hillbilly Horror Stories. So if you have like an Etsy account or an online business. Um, or you've got a podcast and you want to get try to get more listeners or something, we've got a couple of different options that, that they start at $25 uh, for the cheapest option. So it just gives you a chance uh, to build a little something for everybody. But if you want to look into it, feel free to send me an email. It's jerrypolly at AOL.com. And I'll be more than happy to send you out a list with all the uh, packages we have and all the pricing. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's listen to the yesteryear podcast i think you guys are gonna like this we had fun with this one hey guys we got some fun guests on tonight we uh like to bring on fellow podcasters whenever we can and this one's a little bit different than what we normally have we've got beth and james on from the yesteryear podcast what they normally do is uh, they go back and they find some movies from like the 1980s and they try to find one i think mainly that beth probably hasn't seen and then they I'll watch it, then they discuss it, and have a good time. And it's a really fun podcast. And uh, it's especially fun when they do the scarier shows. I know you guys just did, uh, I believe, Scream. Yeah. And that was a really fun episode. And, you know, we're not going to have time to do a complete movie tonight. So what you did, though, was you picked out one of my favorite all-time movies, Creep Show. And you're going to do a segment from that. Now, before you guys get into this, I want to tell you my funny Creep Show experience. Okay. So, my kids and I are all warped. 
we we I was taking them to see horror movies when they were five, six, seven years old. They've grown up around this stuff and they absolutely love it. I didn't damage any of them, I don't think. Um, but I'm sure looking back, I probably should have did things different. But either way, Creep Show is one of our favorite shows. And on Father's Day, every oh. year, okay. we sit down and watch Creep Show. That's our tradition. And the main reason is because of the uh, segment, obviously, with the, the Father's Day cake. Yep. And my son, this past Father's Day, actually bought me a black T-shirt that has the comic book version of that with the uh, the way it ends with the, the creature sitting there holding the the plate with the cake on it. That's so, so cool. So that's, uh, that's, that's how much we love Creepshow. So when you guys said y'all were doing this, I was thrilled to death. So before we get into what you guys are going to do, James, you and Beth introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, why this, why you started the podcast and what you hope to accomplish with it. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. And thank you very much for having us on. I wanted to say oh, you're that. welcome. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome to be on this one. I don't think, Anybody knows or could could know. I've um, when I first I, I first got introduced into podcasts, just to give it a little bit of background, and then I started picking my own. You guys were I'm going to be honest, number two. Brohio was the first one that I stumbled across, just because it was in there as like recommended, and then I found you guys from them immediately. And so you are my 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 second oldest podcast that I've ever listened to for years. So I, I, I really enjoy it, and I really say thank you for having me on here. Um, we started the Yesteryear podcast um, this year, uh, me and Beth. Um, we wanted to do something fun and something quasi-original. Um, you know, we're, we're both into, especially her, into um, the genre of, um, oh, what, oh, geez, I can't even think of what it's called, um, true crime. Type stuff, obviously, like that's where I, you know, with you guys and everything, and just really enjoy those kind of podcasts. But I didn't want to do another one and just basically feel like I was falling behind you guys. Um, so I, I said, well, what what do I know? What do I love? And it was like movies, yes. And then I decided I, I talked with Beth, and I was like, you know what would be great is if we did movies that you have either never seen or don't really remember seeing or anything like that, and then we could get your view on them of what you think about these movies from the past. And that's really how it was kind of born out of that. Um, we did uh, Labyrinth first was the first one that we did. Yep. And uh, and then we went from there, and that's really how this how this kicked off. Um, Beth, you want to introduce yeah, it just, I It started off as kind of a... Like a joke, one of those things you like you share on Facebook, and you're like, "Oh, this would be crazy if this happened," and then it just kept happening. <laughs> it was just something that kept progressing, and suddenly there was a link to the equipment we use now on Facebook, and then suddenly we were ordering it, and it was here in boxes, and then suddenly we were just sat down and recording our first episode. It was just very quick, and um, I was nervous to do it at first um, because we had talked how how our humor works we always think that we are the funniest people in the world yeah. but together <laughs> so separate separated it's kind of harder or like you know we, we base we go off of other people is our humor we make fun of other people and then it's funny and so, <laughs> same same here yeah. so we were concerned that if together we were trying to do the banter and the funny to keep people entertained it wasn't going to be all that 
Um, but you know, people just ate it up and we just kept doing it and I enjoy yeah. doing it. It's really funny to me. It's, it's, so. it's more of a, it's, it's a labor of love. I absolutely love doing this. If, if one person listened, if a thousand people listened, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy spending the time with her. Um, you know, it gives me an opportunity to, to have bonding time with my child, which, you know, as they get older, it's harder and harder to do. Um, so being able to do that is is most important. Then being able to bring, I think, a little bit of light and a little bit of joy into the world is another is another thing. I know that sounds cliche and cl- you know, but it's I mean, it truly do. I mean, I, I I get a lot of people that email, um, you know, of course my family listens and stuff like that, and they're like, it's brought us as a family, my sisters, my dad, my mom, everybody as as a you know closer. Because they're like, oh my gosh, I remember that and this, that, and the other. And, and then they all listen and then they all talk about it. So it gives an opportunity for that. And then I have friends and then people, and I'm sure it happens with you as well. I can't imagine that doesn't where people are like, hey, you know, you should do this. Hey, you know, you should do <laughs> yeah. this. And and it's like, hey, what about this movie? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's it's on the list. I promise you. It, it is. We're, we're, we're going to get to it eventually. <laughs> so, But I, I like that. I, I think it's really cool that y'all y'all are able to do that together. Like I said, and you know, like we do something with a husband and wife deal. So I know it is really cool when you can do something with with somebody that you're close to, mm-hmm. uh, especially with with like a father daughter deal. I've, I've had my all of my kids have been on the pon- podcast at least one time oh, or yes. another, and I love being able to do that. I wish we could do it more. Yep. So Beth, how old are you? I'm 17. I'll turn okay. 18 in March. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's you, know, you guys have a great dynamic. So. Why don't we jump into what you guys have for us, and this will give uh, all of you out there an example of how the show is, so you can go subscribe as soon as this is over to the Yesteryear podcast. Very cool. And if you have anything that you want to interject, please do as well. I know that you will, but um, being Creep Show and you being down with it, if there's anything that I discuss and you want to throw it in there, please do. <laughs> Make for Awesome. Um, so, of course, we start off and we're doing Creep Show. So our first thing that we would do is we're going to ask Beth what her initial impression was of the movie with the artwork and the review and the preview of it. So I have never heard of this before, ever. Um, and it being, <laughs> it's, I think, not, what is it, 1982? 1982, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's old for me. That's one of the older <laughs> ones we've done. Um, and you handed me the DVD, like, case for it. And I looked down at this movie and it kind of gave me, um, like, where the sidewalk ends kind of vibes, you know, the other book. So stuff that's like short, short stories like that are uh, scary stories told in the dark. Yep. Stuff like that. So that's kind of my first impression of it. But then, you know, we sat and we watched the trailer and the trailer, it shows that it's all a bunch of different things cut up into one. And it was just, it was really interesting to see. So I, I was looking forward to doing this because it wasn't going to be the same story throughout. Yeah. So looking forward to it. All right. Um, so, yep, Creepshow came out in 1982, excuse me, and it's an anthology which tells five terrifying tales inspired by the EC horror comic books of the 1950s, um, which is before my time as well, obviously. (laughs) Um, it it was directed by George A. Romero and written by Stephen King, which is, like, two godfathers, in my opinion, of, of the horror genre, yeah, absolutely. Uh, its official release date was November 12th, 1982, so I was all of about to turn five. Um, it had a budget of around $8 million, and the movie earned over $5 million 
in its opening weekend and grossed over 21 million in total. So certainly considered a success. Um, our thing is anytime that it makes double its budget, then it's considered a success. And then everything after that is considered, um, you know, easy money for them. So that's, that's how Hollywood defines a success. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me how nowadays we have movies that, you know, get about, you know, the same amount of money put into them, $80 million. And, you know, the the vast difference of having an eighty million dollar movie back then versus one now, you know, different technology, budget wise, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, while this movie doesn't look that great FX wise, it probably did for its time. But like nowadays, you know, if you look at this movie, it's not nearly as good as what nowadays movies are. Oh. Um, but with the same kind of, well, you know what I mean? Like you know, with green screen effects and background and stuff like that, or the gore I part guess, of it. man. I see. I enjoy me. I love this. I love the visceral tearing of the flesh looking blood go- go- goosing out and stuff like that. Like that physical aspect of it as opposed to green spinning and knowing that something's CGI and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks cool and yeah, he's flying and everything like that. But you know that it's CGI. This here, this is a physical thing, man. You can touch it. It still exists. Yeah. That's, That's me. fair. It's fair. So, um... My parents were pretty messed up as well and allowed me to watch this stuff because it was the 80s. <laughs> and that's what parents did. You know, it's like watching a movie. Oh, it's rated R? Meh. You'll be okay. Um, all the stories in the movie scared the bejesus out of me. Um, and again, since there was no CGI at the time, everything was so physical and visceral. Um, you know, body parts being torn off, twisted, blood gushing. It was all real, and especially to a five-year-old kid. I mean... Some of the other stories in this are, you know, we're not going to go into them, but man, just crazy. Heads on plates, but I got my birthday <laughs> cake and, you know, and then the roaches were all real in the very, they'll, they'll creep up on you episode, man. Those, those things were real and that just freaked me out, especially growing up in Florida where we had palmetto bugs and such. Oh yeah. Flying at your head and everything. Oh my gosh. That, that part gave me, I like, I, sometimes I would end at the crate because I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch the, the, the last episode. So, needless to say, I did lose a good bit of sleep over this movie. Um, especially since they didn't have buttoned-up endings, which I liked. The endings, they, they didn't leave necessarily a resolve. Or, you know, the horror lived on. Even at the end of this, we'll, we'll get to it. It it doesn't end nice. Um, as I stated, there are five stories in the movie that are told. The story that we're going to be reviewing, The Crate, stars Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, and Fritz Weaver. Um, and to me, of the five stories, it's the scariest. So, Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. So, this being based off of a comic book, the story begins with animated pages flipping to the story of The Crate. You see a custodian flipping a coin, and it drops and rolls onto the stairs. As he attempts to fish it out with a broom, he sees a crate. Um, he then fle- it, We then flip to a scene where the head of a college is introducing a new couple. Um, and the two existing professors, Dexter and, and Henry, Henry are their names. Those are like the, the main guys. Um, we also meet Henry's obnoxious lush of a wife, Wilma, or Billy. So, and... We were talking a little bit before. So she was on Maud? Is that what she was on? Yeah, it was Maud. She was a daughter on Maud. That's so crazy to me. Because, see, I always knew her as Billy. I'd seen her in things after this, but I always knew her as Billy. And I was like, oh, she's not always like that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, her other her other big one, obviously, was The Fog. Yes. 
Yep, the original. Oh well, yeah, the original to me because they, you know that what that came out again in uh, two thousand five. I think it had mm-hmm. a remake of it. So, yep. So Billy is quite loud and treats Henry poorly. Uh, she basically spends the entire party embarrassing Henry with her language and forwardness. Uh, Henry and Dexter seem to have a friendship, and Dexter seems to have an affinity for the younger girls. Um, like he's like flirting it up with one of the girls and everything. He's like, "Oh, we can talk about it later." <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, I saw. So, Dexter gets called away by a phone call at the party, and it's the custodian saying that he found a crate and that he thinks he should come check it out. Um, He is calling from the college to alert Dexter. Dexter plays it off as if nothing serious, but then when the custodian reads off the date of June 19th, 1834, he seems to be quite concerned. Like, they're saying, oh, it might just be filled with some old magazines or whatever, but then he's like, no, I I think it's... It's something more, so I'll go ahead and uh, and come down there and check it out. Um, he also says that the crate is from an ex- Arctic expedition. So, pretty crazy stuff already being introduced. And I like that they went through with the wife to really introduce her right off the jump as being like she was. Yeah, at first I didn't really... you. Know, um, I didn't really like how rushed it felt. Yeah. But then I realized, you know, for such a short movie, it was a good way to introduce everyone having a, um, like, what, what would you call it? Like a gathering like that? A, a little food party? It was yeah. a good way to show characters without having to do individual scenes really quickly. So it, that was, makes it sense. was a smart play on their end. Yeah. So Henry watches as Dexter leaves and then turns to see Billy making an even bigger ass out of herself, basically. Um, he calls to her and pulls out a revolver and shoots her in the head. Now, what did you think about that? Really that really caught me off guard. Because, again, I had no idea what this movie was about. Right. So I'm sitting here and I'm watching. I was like, oh. And then everyone just starts clapping. Yep. So I was like, I guess this is allowed in this <laughs> day and age. So, yeah, you, know, every- you know, the 80s were a wild time, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone starts golf clapping um, at what he did and, like, appreciates the, you know, put it, finally put her, he's like, nice shot, a bullseye. But then we see that it's just a daydream. Um, instead, Billy just belittles him in front of everyone about how he is so lucky to have her uh, to take care of him. So later that night, Dexter and the custodian are pulling off the grate under the stairs and uh, to get to the crate. And it's like mad dusty under there. Like it's been under there for a long time. So Dexter asked what the custodian was doing, looking under the stairs. He says he had lost his quarter. That was for uh, the last, the last one that he had basically for the Pepsi machine. Cause he was trying to flip heads or tails on if he was going to fl- bluff, buff the floors or do the windows. So not imperatively, you know, important but it's a little character yeah layering those give yeah a little, give us some onion can you some onion <laughs> so <laughs> so they get the crate and move it onto the one of the lab's tables to get a better look at it and both of them are pretty sure they felt something move inside of the crate so the st- custodian goes to get a hammer and chisel to open it uh meanwhile back at uh billy and dexter or henry's billy is once again lecturing henry about making sure he cleans up after having dexter over to play chess and to be sure to give him, uh, you know, to wash the pots, make sure everything's put up, and uh, make sure to have him gone before she gets back because he she hates the stink of his uh, cigars or whatever, his tobacco, is what she says. So Henry once again daydreams about killing her by choking her out with his tie, but just says, yes, Billy. 
as she leaves. You know, so, I think the whole daydreaming or the flashback kind of thing is really popular in horror movies where they have a fake, kind of like a fake out to throw the viewer off. Yeah. That was really popular for a while. I've noticed that in the, some of the ones we've done that are kind of horror based, they use that tactic a lot to throw you off guard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah did you, what did you, I mean, did you think like, Oh, this is another daydream, or did you think that he was really choking her out? I, I honestly, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't tell. Because the bigger part of it was like, oh, they're just doing it again, but then it keeps going on. You're like, oh, is he actually killing her? He's just choking her out in the yard? Yeah. He, what are the neighbors going to think? What the, right, close the door at least before <laughs> right. you choke her out. The neighborhood watch are going to have a meeting about you, how <laughs> terrible you are. So, uh, we're back at the college, and Dexter and Mike, the custodian, are opening the crate, which is not only locked with chains, but nailed shut as well. Clearly saying, keep this shut, but, you know, whatever. You, you want to make your discovery, make your discovery. King so, Tut could be in there. King Tut, yeah. Folded up like a little pencil. Or pencil. <laughs> a pencil? <laughs> <laughs> like a bag. Like a bag, okay. I'll give you that. So, they remove the nails, and Mike lifts it to open it. To, you know, just to peek in, we kind of hear an animal noise, and Mike thinks he sees a couple of emerald, emeralds, but it's really two eyes peering back at him. Dexter tries to stop Mike from reaching in, but it's too late. He puts his whole arm in, and we start to hear crunching noises while Mike screams in pain. So Dexter fights to get Mike out of the crate, but all he ends up doing is just pulling the crate over, and they all fall on the floor. So what did you think about, like, with the way that that happened? I don't know, it was kind of lame. <gasps> yeah, I don't know. I didn't really like that. I mean, he's like, why would... He, they don't have it open fully yet. So it's like, why would you stick your hand in a really small open space, you know, open the crate all the way up first, and then do something about it? He I saw under, Emerald. I understand. Right, but then open the crate. Uh. Why would you... They just, if you have something half open, you see something in there, you're going to stick your hand in before it's all the way open? I would try. Uh, no. If I saw emeralds, I'm reaching that's in. Lame. That's, <laughs> that's why lame. I get my arm ripped off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's who you are in this. I'm Mike. So yeah. he tries to reach to pull Mike to pull him away, um, but the top of the box crate, uh, the crate, excuse me, opens up, revealing like a ghastly, like gorilla monster, I guess you would say, with razor sharp teeth inside. Um, Have you seen um, the remake of it? yet no no see there is a scene in the very beginning where it gets um billy or not billy but his younger brother charlie i can't think of i can't i can't remember but he gets him with the he has the same kind of teeth and is what i'm thinking because he bites his arm off oh yeah like chomps into it like how this gorilla's teeth is so it kind of made me think of that little like Uh, reference to nowadays kind of movies still kind of the same thing them razor sharp teeth either way are horrible yeah so Dexter is freaked and watches as the monster basically devours Mike right before his eyes. So, uh, you know, with good reason, Dexter bolts and runs into a uh, young man named Charlie and is ranting about what happened incoherently, which, you know, that's a fair reaction in my opinion. <laughs> I th- I used to love when I was little and just trying to figure out what he was saying because he's just... <laughs> you can't understand anything he's yeah saying. i think it's a fair reaction you know sometimes in movies they have the character go out and they can just tell everything straightforward and how yeah. it is but if i saw something like that i'm not speaking no i'm, I'm not even be, moving i'm gonna be incoherent it's gonna get me <laughs> no i think that it's it's a it's i i mean acting I wise shocked. that was really really a fair reaction so meanwhile the monster is dragging its crate back under the stairs charlie doesn't believe dexter at all 
Um, in fact, he's like, yeah, they're going to think you're coked up, is what he says. He's thinking, I'm, they're going to think I'm coked up if we go and tell the police. So he decides to go and have a look for himself, which you get what you get at that point in time. If you decide to go look and inspect, all bets are off for you. So Charlie sees the bloody scene and thinks that Dexter killed Mike first. So Dexter realizes that the crate is back under the stairs. So once again, Charlie plays inspector and goes to have a look. He sees one of Mike's boots and goes to fish it out. But Charlie doesn't see that the monster is to his left under the stairs and gets mauled up by the monster right in front of Dexter again. Yeah, horrible. So poor Dexter. <laughs> I feel so bad for this guy the entire time because he's just having to watch these deaths. And they're not they're not happy deaths either. They're they're chunks out, blood flinging all over your face deaths. Gory, yeah. I mean Yeah. So but again, I don't feel bad for Charlie. Rip Mike, you want to be greedy, but Charlie, meh. You get what you get. So Dexter decides to go to Henry's house screaming about how two people are dead and how he could be blamed for it, which is Really? That's where you're at with Why this? would you start screaming that down the neighborhood? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> these people are going to have you know so much to work with here. Be. I'd call the cops. I'd be like, these dang neighbors calling ruckus again. Yeah, he's screaming about dead people. And Shut he's up and boot. play chess. Yeah, just play your chess. So Henry has Dexter tell him the whole story of what happened and seems disturbingly calm about it, in my opinion. Like, he's just like, mm-hmm, okay. So Henry drugs Dexter and goes to the school himself to survey the situation. He sees the blood trails and finds that what Dexter said looks to be the truth. Uh, he uses a fan cleaner to fish the flashlight out and sees that uh, it's pretty covered in blood. Now, when he first got there and knocked into the uh, the janitor's cart and that slap happens, did you jump at all? Oh, yeah. Because, man, they, they yeah, I did. I jumped. I thought you were going to say something to me about it, actually, and be like, ha, you jumped. Yeah, But no, you didn't. But it, they, it spooked me. When he's just about to try and take a look, he bumps into the janitor's car, and it's like makes a slam noise. And, man, that gets me almost every time. And when I was watching this again and it had headphones on, I, like, jerked in the bed. I was like, oh, jeez. And I was like, oh, man. I've been watching this since I was five years old, and it still gets me. I'm lame. Um, so... Henry goes ahead and cleans up the blood and the mess, and we find that he left a note for Billy, who is considerably drunk again, um, explaining that Dexter called him and that he got a bit of got in a bit of trouble with a female grad student. He also asked that Billy come to the college to help out with the situation. So while Henry finishes cleaning the rest of the blood up, Billy drives over to the school at his request. I found that up. I understand why they had to do it. But with her character wise, I was like, is this, would she really drive over? But I guess, I guess she probably would, you know? What would he do without her? What would he do without her? Exactly. You're right. So Billy arrives and Henry calls her downstairs. I love that she just still has her drink with her from home. It looked like milk. It's milk mixed with like sherry. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an avid drinker, so I don't know. But she definitely put alcohol in the milk. But I love that she brought that with her. Mm. <laughs> and she was like driving down the road all sick faced with everybody honking at her. She's like, Meh. So Billy is asking about the girl and how bad is, but, um, how bad it is. But Henry is having a hard time holding himself together, laughing. And Billy thinks he's hysterical. She's like, you know, oh, you're hysterical. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not a joke. Um, Henry leads Billy to under the stairs saying she can get the girl out. Uh, he then charges in 
and knocks her down and starts beating her against the crate, yelling, wake up, wake up. I mean, he's really pounding her against this crate. I mean, like, her head's bobbling all over the place. Yeah. It broke good wild, too. Yeah, he had her going crazy, man. She wasn't really fighting back, though. She was just, like, kind of letting it She happen. was just all limp body. Yeah. And just getting beat against this box. I was like, good gravy, man. But, yeah, just her little, she's still holding the glass of the milk alcohol, so... So unfortunately for Henry, it doesn't um, it doesn't attack as he thought it was going to, and it looks like it's not going to. Um, then Billy starts to run off at the mouth again, and as she is giving Henry the business, the crate lid flies open, and the monster appears to grab Billy and starts to eat her, um, which was a great like where they really. Flip to the comic book side of yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. Right, do you like yeah, that? With the turn, like the red and blue lights and everything like that. Yeah, you know um, that movie where the guy gets turned into a fly, where like fly something. The fly. The fly. I mean, fly. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the moments right there. Those. Are the, that's Cronenberg. We talked. About I that. can't remember. I can't remember what it was called. It was Flyman. Um, <laughs> the fly. Yeah. But you know the cover art for that is very dramatic-y and very comic-like, and I really like that. I wish they still did stuff like that nowadays instead of having the high definition like photos and everything. Are you talking posters. about the original fly, like yeah. the where? Oh, okay, the way way back there, not Jeff Goldblum fly, but the one before that, where like the ladies like screaming on the cover yep. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like I like when it's like that. I like cover yeah. like that. It's cool to me. It touches my artist heart. Sweet. So. You saw all the all the mob movies back in the late '60s seem to be like that, like the 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 B rated type movies. Yeah. Um. Do you you know the uh? Geez, what is the one called? Um. Reefer Madness. Are you familiar with? Yeah. <laughs> Reefer Madness, but like you remember, like Creature from the Black Lagoon kind of had yep. a cover like that, and yep. uh, Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman was like that. And uh, I did one for the Patreon with my dad. Um. The African Queen, and it was like yep. that with Humphrey Bogart. Yep, yep. It was the same exact way. It was the same exact way. Very cool art. Very good observation. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. So Henry is a bit sick and runs off. Afterwards, he returns with padlocks and is able to get the chains on the box locked up again. The monster kind of tries to escape, but is trapped. And that part made me jump again as well when it, when he's got the lock on it just a little and bit. And the fingers come and it, through? And it, like, pops up real fast. Yeah, and the fingers yeah. come through. I was like, oh, get it locked, man. Get it locked. Yeah. So um, Henry takes the crate and dumps it into a quarry filled... Quarry. Not quarry. Quarry filled with water. <laughs> Henry tells Dexter about what he did and asks him if he's going to say anything about it. And he's like, nah, man, I won't say anything. What are friends for? <laughs> he's got, but the whole time his face at Henry is like, you're obviously kind of a planned killer. I don't, yeah, don't want to yeah. mess with you. But he also was there and watched two other people die. Right. He doesn't want to get busted for it either. So yeah. he just go with what the cleanup is. So then they sit and play chess and go on with life. Dexter asks, what if it gets out of the crate? And Henry says, don't worry, because he chained it up good and it's 70 feet below water drowned. However, in the comic classic, we then see that the crate being broken apart and inside and the uh, the monster escaping from it. Um, and that's how the story ends. Yeah, why you would throw wood into water, like hunt, like thousand-year-old wood into water well, is against It's me. thousand, but it's hundreds. It's old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So cool. So are we good for some trivia? 
Yeah, I'm ready for some trivia. Let's awesome. do it. Awesome. All right. So, Creep Show is the only George A. Romero film that actually opened at number one um, for the box office, for the weekend box office. So, out of all his movies that he released, it's the only one that ever opened at number one. Um, the on-set nickname of the monster in the crate was Fluffy, as named uh, <laughs> George Romero named that himself like that. So fitting. Um, a fun a fun little fact about Stephen King. Uh, during a break in filming, he took his son Joe to a McDonald's, and as a joke, he made him up with bruises, cuts, and scabs, and everything like that from the makeup kid. And the girl at the drive-through window called the police on him. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so I thought that was great. Oh no! It was like, yeah, he was that. Well, I mean, they got professional makeup. What are you thinking? So they took it through, and yeah, absolutely. She called. She said, "Oh no, sir, I'm calling the cops." And um, as a good luck character Stephen King carried a, a little Star Wars character you remember Greedo from Star Wars mm. that Han Solo yep he had a little a little Greedo character that he carried around in his pocket for good luck oh that's nice yep so that's that's all the trivia I've got for them this week or what's so, for this yes episode so. yeah <laughs> so I have a question Beth okay did you watch just the particular part that y'all were doing or did you, did you watch the whole movie we just watched the one part Okay, because I was going to get your insight on what your favorite episode, because they're all so different. Yeah, I'll probably go through and watch all of them. Yeah, I we're going to yeah. we're going to be doing that. Uh, but I, yeah, I one hundred percent agree that you've got you've got you know the one with Ted Danson and and um, Leslie Nielsen where with the drowning, and you've got the birthday cake, and you've got the stuff with Stephen King all over them. Then you've got this episode, and then you've got the, uh, the episode with the roaches. They are all 100% different, but 100% really good, in my opinion. Yeah. When, again, watching this as a kid, my sister would be like, well, let's put on a scary movie. And it's like, not Creep Show, okay? And like, no, we're going to watch Creep Show. And I'm like, oh, good. I won't sleep tonight then. That's good. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah because... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. I'm so, that's okay. The, the, like the, the very first story, I, I believe, is the Stephen King one. And it's it's like a hundred percent comedy for the most part, except for the very ending of it. I mean, it's it's just it's just completely comical. The crate has a mixture of comedy and and like you said, it's got the scariest part. Yeah, you know that mixture. You know the the Leslie Nielsen uh, episode. It's more of a psychological thriller. Yep. You know, so I mean, there there really is something for everybody in that. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that the lonely death of of somebody is what the one with the Stephen King, the, the where he finds the meteor, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, the doctor, and that's really the creepiest part of that because he keeps having that flash of what's going to happen. First, he's going to be you know a millionaire, and then he's got the stuff growing on him, so he's afraid that the doctor's going to cut off his hand, and then science. I mean, it it gets it gets really sad, and then at the end. You know, he basically commits suicide, and he's like, "Please let my luck be just once," and that's that's how it ends. It's it's really sad. It's a sad the, part. The movie is genius. It really yep. is genius. When when you combine the minds of Stephen King and George Romero, you know that's what you're going to get, and that's what you would expect. Yep. And I I like that they 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 obviously fed off one another with it and everything. So, yep. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I think that my equivalent of this as a child, you know, you said you watched this when you were five. I I think mine would be um, Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Goosebumps, Goosebumps sure. yeah. I think that would be my equivalent because that was, I mean, that's kind of 
the same in a sense you know you take these books and there's little short spooky stories and then you make a movie out of them and it's like a combined of like six or seven of them all into one and you just sit there and you watch them and each one are they just end differently and it, it, it's it was really interesting to sit there and watch it as a kid and try and guess what was going to happen yeah. and then not being able to. And I, I mean, I watched hundreds of those. Did you ever watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? No, I don't remember names. They came on. It came on Nickelodeon on Saturday nights, and that was that was a pretty good little decent show for being on Nickelodeon. So yeah, it that was, was past my bedtime. <laughs> it was it was a Goosebumps quality type show. Yep. It wasn't wasn't too scary, but just scary enough. Right, exactly enough for kids to to get messing with your head before your parents say go to bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think what I liked about Creep Show is that it really spawned a bunch of other uh, anthology-type shows. I'm, I, the the biggest anthology show, or the oldest one I can remember going back, obviously Trilogy of Terror was yes. awesome. Yes. Uh, and then, I don't know if you're familiar with this one, James. This one goes back to the, probably about the same time, but it was about the mid-70s. It had a very young Joan Collins in it. And it was called Tales from the Crypt. Yes, but it was it was just a movie uh, that had I think three episodes. They were all basically people that were had met down in uh, I guess it was like almost like a Saint Peter version of hell. Yeah, who were where they all met there, didn't know why they were there, and they all had a story. And the story all basically had with them dying after they had, and they were all horrible people. Yeah, but that was all... like the yeah yeah. Is that the one that has the uh, the cat buried in the wall? Um, I don't. I don't remember that one. Oh. I remember the the one with Joan Collins was one where she had killed her husband, and then the uh, escaped Santa Claus, yeah, had been had gotten out of prison, and a daughter let it in, and he ended up killing her. That was one, and you know they they had one where um, uh, a guy killed his neighbor, so he was like a real rich guy, and his neighbor. Uh, was just this real poor guy that was always helping all the kids, and the guy didn't like him, and he got him. He kind of got to all the neighborhood where they were scared of the guy, and wouldn't let their kids come over, and the guy ended up committing suicide. And then he came back for this guy, and uh, and killed him. And so, and then there was like I think the other one was a monkey paw type deal, yes, to where they got the three wishes. So it was, it was, but it's it's kind of um, cheesy, but it was mid seventies. But overall, it was a pretty good story. Yeah, and what messed with me at the uh, was most was the ending where they all they were all basically in hell, and and they and they, yeah. they were dead, and they all kind of just like stood up and accepted that. I remember. That. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the the first that and trilogy of terror that are really one of the first ones that I really remember from back in the day. And uh, but then, like you said, there was all kinds that came out after this. You've had. Uh, Tales from the Hood. Yep. Tales which from was, the hood. which was, uh, and, and I think they had a Tales of the Hood too. They did a creep show too. And then there was a bunch of other, uh, trilogies and, and, uh, anthologies that came out. Yeah. Those, and, and, and I really enjoy, I enjoy where I can go and spend money. And maybe I don't like the first part, but I'm, I'm I've got luck of the draw that I'm going to like two or three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not Yeah. Cause I never really cared for the, the, on, on creep show, the, the roach one. That's one that I never really, yeah, I just, it just didn't do anything for me, but oh, you know, so it's gross. still one of my favorite movies because the other four were so great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, the, the gross out factor of them roaches and then just having to deal with that growing up, I think was just, it was a personal thing for me more than anything. And then that, uh, that tiki, well, not, it's not a tiki doll. It's a, uh, the doll from trilogy of terror. What yeah. Is it? It's a Su- Sunni fetish doll. Sunni fetish. Yeah. Those, you need one of those for the, 
for the for your off. <laughs> don't don't think I haven't looked. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I think I would quit if I found if I came downstairs one day and that was here waiting for me. We have we have a like a Chucky doll that sits behind the computer. Yeah. So I look up occasionally and I see that. But if I saw that dang thing from that, no, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do I wouldn't be able to focus. Yeah. I'd, I'd feel like it was cursing me the entire time, yeah. putting hexes on me. She messes with its little spear, man. You don't mess with its spear. You take the little tag off and it gets you. So, yeah, yeah. It's such, such a good movie. It is. It really was. And you're absolutely right with all the anthology movies. Uh, I will have to catch some of those, too. Tales from the Hood was really good. I liked that movie. It ended the same way. And then the HBO, I know that the uh, the other one did the uh, the Tales from the Crypt uh, series. That series I really enjoyed that growing up. That was one oh, of my yeah, loved favorite it. shows. Absolutely loved it. Um, there was an episode that had the the guy had uh, done a experiment on 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 a guy and, and given him the nine lives of a cat. I don't know if you remember that episode, but he he put something in <laughs> his brain. So he was doing an act in a circus where he would basically he would die. But you know everybody thought that he somehow survived the trick, and then he he miscounted how many lives because he forgot that the cat died as well. So he thought he had one more life, but he really didn't uh. have another life. And I thought, oh, they always ended that way. And I always like how there was just a little bit of a trick at the end that it was like, oh, that didn't turn out good at all. You know? no. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that creep show was great. I mean, I loved all those, you know, uh, Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. You know, Rod Serling did a movie. I can't think for the life of me what it's called. He did a movie that was back around the Twilight uh, or uh, Night Gallery times, and it was, I think it had three stories with it. Yeah, it was a trilogy, and it was phenomenal. It was one of those that I don't think ever came out of the theaters. I think it was more of a made-for-TV thing, And um, but it had a story of a practical joke that went wrong where uh, these Young college kids, this one guy set up another one to go to this girl's house. Uh, she really likes you, man. Go, go. And it turns out it was just a wrong, they gave, just gave him a wrong address. Oh, wow. And he, and he shows up to some old woman's house that has a gun and she's scared and she accidentally shoots and kills him. And the boy's mother basically puts a curse on all of them. So that was one. There was another one, another story about a, um, a mysterious hole that's supposed to be in, uh, Missouri to where all these strange sounds and stuff would come out of it. And a guy got lowered down into it because the little boy thought he lost his dog. And when they pull him back out, I mean, he's gone absolutely, uh, insane because of whatever he saw down in the, the, the hole. And I can't remember right off the bat what the other story was, but there was three stories in that. I'll, I'll find out the name of it and shoot it to you. Yeah. It's on YouTube and you can probably not find it anywhere else, but. Yeah, it's a really, really good story. Rock I think it's called. I think it's called "Tales of the Unexplained." Is what it's called. Okay. Very cool. But yeah, pretty cool. Um, he's he's a whole episode by himself. Um, Rock I literally Serling. have I literally have thought about doing an episode of just the life of Rod Serling. If nothing else, I'll probably do it on Patreon because he was completely fascinating. Very cool. I think that's actually called Encounters with the Unknown. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a for like I said, not the greatest acting in the world, but it's one that you'll enjoy to watch. Oh, I don't. Yeah, if it's a good story, and, and that's what Beth yeah. really gives to it a lot. She, she'll go. 
you know, the acting can be off. She, she's got a, like a five-point process that she looks at it. But if it's a good story, then that can sell her on it, I think. Yeah, I try to, I try to be fair because we have a system. Uh, we give it like out of moves, out of, out of five moves. And we go through and we rate each one. And I know you, you like to rate them based bias-wise. You're like, yeah. You always give things like fours or threes. I do. And I try, I try really hard to actually break down the movie and um, just like completely go through it. And I try to give good reasoning when we do things. If I don't like a movie and I think that it's not just all that, then I, you know, I try to give good reasons why and not just oh I just didn't like this movie, you know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that we haven't had. I think recently we've had more wins than we have losses with movies that yeah, I've liked. Yeah, you, you so. didn't like something Wicked This Way Comes. No, I did not like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my favorites. So, yeah. Guys, it's been super fun having you on. Uh, James, Beth, I hope you guys continue to have success. I hope you guys will go and subscribe to the podcast and listen. I've listened to... Most of the episodes you got out, I've, I've loved everyone that I've listened to. I've listened to your episode on Leslie's podcast. That was great as well. Yeah. Tell everybody how they can keep up with you on social media. All right. So we have um, the yesteryear podcast at gmail.com is a great way to email us if you ever want to send us over stuff and recommendations or anything like that. We love that. Um, we do have Twitter, twitter.com uh, forward slash yesteryear podcast. Instagram is Instagram.com forward slash Yesteryear Podcast. Um, we're on Facebook, Yesteryear Podcast. We do have a private group. It's called the Truffle Shufflers, which is a throwback to the Goonies, of course. Love that. You have to know our names to get in, James and Beth. Um, our website right now is YesteryearPodcast.Buzzsprout.com. And that's that's about it. We do have a Patreon, but you know what? Listen to the show, love us, and then and then get into that, I'd say. So... Great idea. Guys, it's been fun. I appreciate you coming on and doing one of my favorite movies. Man, I appreciate, appreciate you, you having, having us. us. Yeah. So, well, guys, continued success, and I'm sure we'll be seeing big things out of you in the future. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. They sure were a fun interview. Oh, yeah, definitely. They know their movies, too. I know that. <laughs> I know it. That's so good. That's that's really fun, too. And I'll say this, too. Beth, to be 17 years old, is mm-hmm. way beyond, beyond her, her years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never would have thought she was only 17. So. <laughs> I, I, that- I, told, I told this story because Leslie Fear actually interviewed him mm-hmm. on her show. And that's when I found I didn't realize because I had I hadn't listened to every single episode before. I'd listened to a couple of episodes and I didn't realize that they were father daughter. Yeah. So not a fun thing to do together. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Don't forget to go subscribe to the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. Uh, I know those guys would appreciate it. They're just getting off the ground, and uh, they would love everything that uh, you guys can do. That's right. Show them some love, y'all. Show them some love. We and, uh, have, I'm just sorry. Go ahead, baby. No, go ahead. I was done. No, I was just going to say, um, I just hope everybody has a blessed week. Uh, we love you guys. If y'all need anything, please don't hesitate to give us a call and, uh, just love one another. Yep. And if you want to buy any merchandise, go to our store. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to put it in there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you always do all this please, peace and love and all this stuff just, at the end. And I, 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 I feel bad trying to say, oh, yeah, and send us some money somehow. Oh, well, I, so. you know, just send us love. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye.